Well, many in Europe remain adamant that the threat of IS will not change their way of life, but with heightened challenges on two fronts, the flood of refugees and the threat of more terrorist attacks, daily life for many has already changed dramatically. Susie Dennison is the co-director of the European Power Program at the European Council on Foreign Relations, and she joins us now. Hello to you. Good morning. Thank is, you for having me on the show. Thank you. Well, is, is the current situation in Europe, in your mind and the mind of others that you deal with, a new normal for the region? Yes, I think it is the new normal. Um, I think that um, we have to accept that these horrible attacks are, are likely to continue and that, that we are vulnerable um, as, long as, our, as long as Europe's member states' um, positions on, on, on the Islamic State are laid so barely on the table. I think uh, we're quite clear in a situation where European states are engaged in airstrikes, which will never be sufficient to completely defeat the Islamic State. Um, but up until now, we've been clear, and it's, it still seems to be the case, that member states aren't, they have no appetite for a large engagement, um, including with ground troops, um, and neither do regional actors. So um, I think that, 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 that we do have to accept um, that, um, that, 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 that Hollande's characterisation of, of Europe now being in a very different kind of war, but nevertheless at war, um, is the case. Yeah. It certainly does pose a particular challenge for the European Union, Union doesn't it? Because um, depending on the geographical location and size of, and the health of any member's economy, some member states are in a much better position to deal with the crises than others. Yes, I think that's right. And I think um, that um, realistically, um, the answer to, to Europe's um, response to the, the instability that it finds itself surrounded by is precisely to work with those different strengths at member state level. Um, if the EU institutions voice um, uh, via the Commission and um, our, our central um, bodies, um, Federica Mogherini, the High Representative for Foreign Policy, doesn't necessarily resonate so strongly um, in the southern neighbourhood, in the eastern neighbourhood, we know that the East Germany's voice does. We know that in the Middle East, um, France and the US, the UK, sorry, have um, uh, very strong ties. And um, I think that the part of Europe's response has to be um, using those ties as a way into the conversation um, and accepting that trade isn't distinct from foreign policy or defence um, and that promoting our values, rule of law um, and our interests, such as stability, um, are not distinct over the longer term. Now, when we look at these issues of terrorism as well as the refugee crisis, it's, it's fair to say that the Middle East as well as North Africa, they're, they're the hotspots that have a, a very, uh, you know, severe impact on Europe in particular. And yet uh, on your annual scorecard, I'm told, Europe's relationship with that region scores the lowest. Why is that? Well, we score in the scorecards um, on the basis of European policy um, to, to make a difference. So there's, there's also an element of potential in the way that we score on outcome. Um, and clearly, on the Middle East and North Africa, um, we haven't invested the diplomatic, li diplomatic energy that we should have there on the basis of um, the potential that we have through these ties that we've been talking about, and also on the basis of the extent to which this region is on our doorstep, and um, it, it, it is now directly impacted instability there is directly impacting within Europe's borders. Clearly, um, the nuclear deal with Iran earlier this year, um, Europe played a, a crucial facilitating role there, and that shows that we do have a potential um, to, to, to make a difference through diplomatic processes there. But the Syrian conflict, on the other hand, which has much wider direct implications for, for Europe's stability, has been allowed to continue with relatively little um, engagement from Europe's side for nearly five years now. Um, so, so that's why we have um, criticised um, Middle East policy for that lack of strategy. Well, you've got to take into account, haven't you, the deteriorating relationship with, with Russia, although there are signs that perhaps there could be some accommodation in Syria. What does all this mean for the future of global leadership in these precarious times? 
I think um, that, uh, that that we've been saying through, for a while through um, the scorecard and, and other ETFR publications that it is time for a new Russia policy, um, a, a recognition um, of, uh, uh, of of the fact that um, Russia has, has has challenged the international order and the European order um, through um, through its incursions in, into Ukraine and um, um, direct violations of international law. Um, but it does remain a key actor um, in um, in, in terms terms of finding a solution uh, to some of these crises that, that we're facing in the Middle East. Um, and so I think uh, Europe needs to have that discussion now about the extent to which um, uh, we, we, we can work with, um, with, with Russia um, uh, in, in terms of the Syria conflict. And indeed, we're, we're starting to see that. Um, François Hollande um, will be making a stop in, in Moscow on his whirlwind diplomatic tour this week. Um, and I think um, that is an absolutely crucial um, piece of the jigsaw now. Okay, Susie Dennison, good to talk to you. Thank you. No problem. Bye bye.